woke. Time to get up. Welcome to Thought You Were Woke, No Speak Lemon Podcast. My name is Alvin. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I want to talk about Antonio Brown, first of all. I think this story is very interesting. Uh, Antonio Brown is the wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you do not know that, which is an NFL team. I should say was, because he's no longer a member of the team. On Sunday... Uh, Tampa Bay was playing the Jets, and they were in a very close contest. In fact, they were kind of struggling in the third quarter, and Antonio Brown had been benched uh, for whatever reason before the third quarter. So about in the third quarter, the coach asked him to go back in the game. He was hoping to get a boost by having Antonio in there, catch a few passes, um, and maybe give a boost to the team. Antonio refused uh, Bruce Arians' request to go back in the game, Bruce Arians supposedly told him he's finished, he's no longer part of the team, something like that, and Brown just basically took off his jersey and his pads, walked off the field, bare-chested, threw his hands up in the air while players were on the field in the midst of a play on the other end of the field. Now, the story gets muddled a little bit there. Apparently, according to Antonio Brown, he had an injury, and he didn't want to go back in the game because of the injury. According to uh, Bruce Arians and the and the team, he didn't want to go back in the game because he was upset because he wasn't getting enough catches in the first place. Now, from what I understand, due to the fact that he was on the league minimum, this is a guy who at one time was a $30 million player who is now on the league minimum. He gets a million-dollar incentive by catching, I think it was 33 passes or something like that. And he was right at the cusp of getting those before he was pulled from the game. So he's upset about the fact he hasn't got the touches he feels like he needs in order to get his incentive. That's what was said from that end. According to Antonio Brown, it was because of his injury to his ankle that he said he still hadn't recovered from that he felt like he he just couldn't go any further or go back in the game and that the coach was trying to make him go in the game and then cut him because he wouldn't go back in the game so this is the whole nfl story right there that there's 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 a lot going on right there and we can talk about that in a second but let me give you a little background on antonio brown and the reason why i will not justify what he did nor will i Go against it. So here's here's where I'm going to start out. Antonio Brown has a troubled past, so to speak. Uh, his childhood was kind of difficult. His father was Eric Brown. Eric Brown was a supposedly arena football star. He was an all he was an all time athlete in arena football. If you can say one of the best athletes in in arena football, touchdowns, yardage, all of that. So you can see where Antonio gets his pedigree. I hate to use that word pedigree like people are pedigree. You know what I'm saying? I hate that word. It's terrible. But pe- that's where he gets his pedigree, okay? He's not a breed of some kind of animal. But anyway, uh, Antonio Brown was a gifted athlete in high school. He uh, played quarterback. He played receiver. He returned kicks. He played running back. He did all that. He was a talented kid. Uh, like I said, he had trouble pass. His, his mother and father got divorced when he was 10 years old. Then you say, okay, well, so, well, that can be a problem for a child. You know, you've heard about people getting a divorce and the kids having problems because of the divorce. Uh, Of course, as a male child, his father's not in the home. I don't know what his involvement was in his life. I'm, I'm wondering what that involvement was. Apparently, he was living with his mother because when he was in high school, he was having some problems, of course. 
and his mother kicked him out of the house. So his last year or so in high school, he was homeless. His grades dropped off. His performance on the field dropped off. He had to go to a prep school. At the prep school, he excelled as a quarterback, wide receiver, all the running back, all that stuff. He had got excelled to the point where he got the opportunity to go to FIU, got a scholarship to FIU. Then apparently, either because of a girlfriend or a student at the school, he got in a fight with a security guard, which led to him losing his scholarship at FIU. He was saved when the Central uh, Michigan coach decided to let him walk on there. He walked on there and decided to switch to wide receiver. There he excelled as a wide receiver. He had some problems there as well. Most of them were being late for practice and uh, late for uh, team meetings and things like that, which is a sign of problems, right? Well, he corrected those problems. His The one thing he is known for is his work ethic on the field. He has a very good work ethic. Now, he wasn't always the greatest teammate, but he had a very good work ethic. And his off-the-field antics sometimes got him in a lot of trouble, right? So, of course, he gets drafted in the sixth round of the uh, NFL draft, uh, 2009, 10, maybe 9. Um, anyway, in the process of getting drafted, he, uh, that, and like I said, the reason why he's a sixth-round draft pick is because of these off-the-field incidences and some other questions they had about him as an athlete. He ran a 4.3 in the in the combine, however, and so he found himself as a returner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He excelled the first year as a, as a, a return. The next year, he found himself in the lineup as a slot receiver, and the rest is history because then he became this guy who was just awesome at receiving catch and catches and receiving his speed. All those things added up to a very good receiver. Uh, he ended up at Pittsburgh becoming the all-time receiver like all-time leader in yards and, and touchdowns and catches and stuff like that. He became that guy. In 2000, by 2018, however, trouble started rearing its head. Um, let me give you another little story, the side story of this, which is part of when he's on Pittsburgh. It was during a game with the Bengals. Apparently, one of the linebackers with the Bengals decided to just kind of blindside hit uh, Antonio Brown. They gave him a concussion, knocked him out. That's when his career kind of went downhill. Now, before that, Antonio Brown may have made some flashy touchdowns and did too many in-zone dances and some other things. They kind of got on the coach's nerves and got on the NFL's nerves, so they found him every once in a while. Big deal. But after that concussion, he started being a problem for the team in some ways. He still made more money because he sat down and he had a contract. He wouldn't sign the contract till he got guaranteed $30 million, right? Well, then he started clashing with Roethlisberger, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He started clashing with the coach. He started clashing with the ownership. Eventually, uh, he made a video, and that got him in trouble. And so then they was like, hey, you got to go. So they were going to trade him. Originally, I believe they were going to trade him to uh, the Patriots. I believe that was the original trade they were going to trade him to the Patriots, but for some reason he didn't want to go to the Patriots, so they ended up trading him to the Raiders. He goes to the Raiders. Well, let me tell you what happened. Before that, Pittsburgh, he started having all kinds of problems. Like I said, he was having mental issues. He was having rage issues. Uh, one of the incidents was he was in a hotel and he threw furniture out the window and supposedly hit a child in the process, but he was throwing furniture out of the window of this hotel room. He got mad, upset for whatever reason. It's one of the signs he was breaking down. That was an off-the-field issue. Didn't affect his game, however. So he came back and played again. But then, like I said, all these other things started happening, so they kicked him off the Pittsburgh team. Well, he gets to the Raiders, okay? He gets to the Raiders. He gets welcomed by uh, 
coach that's no longer there, by the way, um, Gruden. John Gruden had invited him uh, to play for the team. He welcomed him with open arms to play for the team. Then, of course, uh, Antonio Brown started having problems. Came to his first practice because they were being filmed and all that. Decided to come in a hot air balloon. Crazy, I know. Very, very crazy. But anyway, he comes in the hot air balloon. Come to find out he has gotten in his hyperbaric tank. And he didn't have the proper gear on. So now he's got frostbite on his feet. So he's missing practice because of the frostbite on his feet. And to make matters worse, not only is he getting on John Gruden's nerves with all this stuff, he's getting on management's nerves. So then management's like, okay, that's it. We got to do something with this guy. Then apparently he had some incident either with his wife or a girl that accused him of sexual harassment. Okay, so uh, sexual assault. So that kind of got him kicked off of the off the Raiders. When that happens, he gets released from the Raiders. He goes to the Patriots. And some people are like, okay, he goes to the Patriots. You know, you got to be by the book straight up. This might help him out. Gets there. He has an incident with his wife where she tries to leave him. And he cuts up on that. And then another accusation of sexual harassment. And then the Patriots say, that's it. He was gone from there. So here's Antonio. He's shipping around, shipping around. Tom Brady liked him when he was with the Patriots. Now Tom Brady moves over to the Bucks, so he picks up Antonio Brown. Now Bruce Arians was kind of skeptical, didn't really want him there because he felt like he was going to be a problem in the locker room. But Tom Brady convinced him by and, and embraced Antonio Brown to the point where he let Antonio Brown stay with him, right? And he became a good teammate. Of course, he for the, that next year he was a big part of the reason that the Bucks got to the Super Bowl when they weren't expected to get to the Super Bowl. They got Tom Brady, they got Antonio Brown, they got a great combination there. Some other players, you know, you can't you can't forget Gronk, you can't forget uh, 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 some of the other players on the team. They did a great job. So, but you you've got the two elements that have made the team as great was good defense, that all those things. Anyway, they end up in the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. And Antonio Brown was a big part of that as well. So it comes back the next season, and Antonio Brown's playing, then he gets hurt. But in the process of getting hurt, of course, this is off the field problems veer up again. Apparently, the man decided to get one of those fake vac- vaccination cards, which is a felony, because, of course, it being fake means that there was information that was passed that was illegally passed on that card. But this is all while he's injured. And according to what some sources say Bruce Adrian, uh, Bruce Arians was going to say, that's it. He's done. Um, injuries, however, to other wide receivers kept that from happening. And so Brown was retained. And, of course, this was going to be his first week he was playing near the end of the season because I think it's like two games left or one game left in the whole season anyway. They have an extra game this year. Instead of 16, they have 17 games. And apparently they were saving him for this game. Now, of course, like I said, once he got in the game, he played a little while. The coach benched him. Maybe he did get upset. Maybe it was the injury. I don't know. But this is the NFL. There's a lot of players who play with injuries. And I mean real injuries. They get painkillers, tons of painkillers. You've heard of guys addicted to painkillers. You've heard of all the, the horrific surgeries and things that people have to have after they play this game. 
you play this game. It's all about the money. The NFL is a money-driven machine. They're making money off the fans, buying the tickets, what's on TV, the ads, everything. Then you got million-dollar players on the field, right? For us who play the game, I didn't play at the pro level, but for us who play the game, we love the game. But sometimes the game don't love us. Antonio Brown has a lot of off-the-field problems, and teams were willing to put up with that because of his talent. That doesn't mean they were willing to fix it. There was an interview I listened to him he had with The Breakfast Club from a few years ago where he was talking about how he had a life coach and he had a counselor to try to fix all these problems that he had when he was at Pittsburgh. Uh, He was talking about basically on an apology tour. He he just sounded like a very troubled man, you know. Um, They talked about something he did, which I won't talk about here, but he had the chocolate D's that he had passed out. To, to people that he called his haters. Uh, that's a famous story. That's just Antonio Brown's way. He was that kind of person. Um, he is that t- type of person. So here you are. You've gone through all these situations. You're here. What could be your last stop? The Bucks. He's 33 years old. That's a long, that's old age in the, almost old age in the NFL. That's past middle age. You know, middle age in the NFL is 25 to 27. So he's 33. He's probably got one or two more years left. He's a, one of those major talents, you know, oh, maybe he'll play till he's 35 or 36. So, you know, it's, here he is at that stop where he just finally, it's kind of like it all breaks. You decide to leave in the middle, you take your pads off in the middle of a game and walk off the field. The player side of me says that was awful because it was an awful visual to your own teammates. You had teammates that tried to stop him before he got off the team and he off the field, but he just did it anyway. You're in the middle of a game. You just left. There's you know there's nothing I can do here as a coach. That's even that's worse. You know you expect your players to have some loyalty to you, right? So he's gone. You know, and this you just showed off in front of the fans up in the stands. That was awful. You didn't do this in the locker room or you didn't wait till after the game in the meeting room to talk to me about this and then leave. You left during the game. You didn't storm off during practice or anything like that. You stormed off during the game. Bye. Right? Gone. So I can't say that I condone what he did at all. I can't condone that at all. But here's the pressures of the NFL. If you're hurt, you play, or that next guy replaces you. That's how it works in the NFL. You hurt, either you play or you don't play. You wait till next season, then your job may or may not be available. That's how it works in the NFL. This is just how it works. That's the way that game is played. Am I saying that's right or wrong? No. It's a money-driven game. And then Antonio Brown, like I said, he has a lot of off-the-field problems. Those problems, you know, I listened to what he said on The Breakfast Club. He said, I want to go to a team that not only is trying to win a championship, but a team that's going to protect me. Protect you how? Because they give you a big money contract. There are certain things they put up with, and they'll, they'll kind of clean up. Like all those incidents he was having, they were working to clean them up. Because guess what? He never got convicted of a sexual hara- uh, sexual charge uh, for those women. Uh, his wife is back with him. And he's got his kids. Um, so some of those things, that makes me think. Antonio Brown was the victim of a bad situation. 
you know, like the sexual harassment stuff kind of just disappeared. And his wife is back with him. All the fluff and all that stuff. He's a victim of that because of his own emotional issues. But those are things that the NFL can't fix. I've heard of other, I think I've heard Brandon Marshall on his show talk about some of the issues he had and off the field and how he had to learn to deal with that. So you have to take those opportunities to get the help somewhere else because the NFL just wants to make money off of you. They don't really As far as a person goes, people care about you, but the NFL doesn't. As a player, they care about you being on that field to make that money. That's what you have to understand about the NFL. It's money-driven, so it's all about the money. It's not about anything else. You are... You are a product to be sold. And sometimes I, I take this on fans because I get I get upset with some of the things that fans do. Like I was talking about uh, the Hunter situation with the college football, how players were get, uh, people were getting upset, burning jerseys, and, and said it's not fair, the NIL deal's not fair. I said that's the thing. Um, as a fan, you know, you buy a ticket. You leave early from a game. Some of y'all rip your jerseys off and walk off the field. Some of you get butt naked and run across the field. You know, there's no skin off of your back. For a player to do something like that, that's his whole career he could destroy if he does that. He's the one that's got to go home with the broken knees. He's the one that's got to go home with the broken fingers. He's the one that's got to go home with the CTE, which is something I think is really affecting Antonio Brown, is CTE. Um, these are things that... that people just don't seem to understand because people are like, eh, Antonio Brown, he deserves whatever they do. If they don't ever play again, he won't play again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watch this. Some of the same people are saying that now. Antonio Brown comes and plays for your team and scores touchdowns. Man, he's a great player. Da, da, da. See, it's kind of like this mental illness thing even in fans. You see what I'm saying? That's how it is. You know, as a fan right now, you know, somebody was the other day we were talking about teams he could possibly play Dallas if he played right now or, 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 or the Saints right now, you know. Technically, he has not been released from the Buccaneers, but we can assume basically he's never coming back to that team ever again, okay? So, you know, whatever the political games that's being played with Antonio Brown right now, like, well, we haven't released him, but maybe we can trade him. Or something, you know, we're past the trade trade deadline anyway. Not until ne- until next season, but you can just imagine he's fired, he's gone, right? So the question is, everybody said, "Oh, he's such a tremendous talent; he'll be back next year." But here's the thing: nobody's dealing with his off the field problems. They're just wanting him to come play for them. You're that product I can sell on the field. You're the one that can get me to that uh, Super Bowl. So more tickets will be sold, and I'll make more money, right? It's all it's about. That's all they care about. And, and I'm not saying that's what the NFL has to worry about. I mean, heck, a few years ago, which is a problem, the NFL was a nonprofit organization that was making big profits, billion-dollar profits. So nonprofit organizations have this uh, nonprofit status that they can make them tax-exempt, right? So they were making a lot of money. We can talk about that crookedness some other time. But anyway... NFL doesn't care if players get hurt. You know, you've heard some horror stories from some of the old guys and all the injuries they had, horrific injuries they have had. You know, you've got guys who've died of Lou Gehrig disease from the hits to their heads. Um, and guys who committed suicide, like, like, um, you know, 
some of the tragic stories I've heard. Junior Seau is one of them that's most famous. You know, he goes, man, he was smiling at Warren, walked home and shot himself. CTE has just, some people have just died from CTE, from strokes. And other things from the hits they've gotten from football. Football is a dangerous sport. It's one of those sports you play and sacrifice your life for. And some people say, for what? It's not like being in the military. You know, guys who fight in a war, you say, well, they were fighting to protect freedom and all this. You know, when you're playing a football game, you're hitting each other for the entertainment of other people. Now, how it can benefit you personally is money-wise. You know, you can go out there, you can own your own company, you have your own brand, all of this stuff, and that's where the personal benefit comes in for that. Uh, You've entertained people. Great. Wonderful. But that's why I try to tell people, you got to understand the player's life. Why a player all of a sudden gets upset. Football is the only sport that there's no guaranteed money for a guy who's just giving up his entire body to this game. And the average life of an NFL player is two years. So if I get in there and get a $30 million contract that's no guaranteed money, after one year, I may not even get my full cut, and I had a serious injury so serious it ended my chance to play football. Basketball doesn't even work like that. Baseball doesn't work. They got guaranteed money that's coming in. They're going to get that money regardless of whether they step back on that football field or not. Not a football player. And they give a lot. So Antonio Brown did get a guaranteed contract. It's one of the rarest things you get in the NFL. If you get one of those, wow, you better take it. Not very many people have that. Tom Brady is notorious for making the sacrifice for the team money-wise. And that's the white guy. And there's a lot of Antonio Browns in the NFL. There's a lot of kid, people who come from dubious backgrounds that the money from the NFL is giving them the status. And people say, well, you got the money. Money doesn't cure everything. It doesn't cure the broken home that you came from. It doesn't cure the, the, the anger that's inside of you. It doesn't cure the, 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 the confusion inside of you. Antonio Brown even had uh, Owens talk to him. Think about it, Terrell Owens, who had all these issues happen to him when he was in the NFL, tried to talk to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's like, show me the numbers, show me the papers, because he couldn't even ca- calculate what this guy was trying to tell. So just imagine that, you know, you know, well, you're rich. See, we live in a world where like, oh, money just solves everything. No, money does not solve those things. You can still be an addict. You can still be violent. You can still be broken and sad because of all these things that happen in your life. Money doesn't solve that. But that's what the NFL is. It's a money machine. It cares nothing about your personal life. You better get it right if you're going to play on the field. That's all that counts. And that's how I want to end this story. Hey folks, hope you're enjoying the show. Just thought I would take a moment to invite you to subscribe to Thought You Were Woke, No Speed Limit Podcast, and let you know that our podcast is available on multiple platforms, including Spotify, Google, Apple, Facebook, YouTube, Amazon, Overcast, Stitcher, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Cast, and Anchor. 
Also, make sure to hit the bell notification so that you will be notified when the next episode is available. Now back to the show. I thought I'd take a few moments to talk about January 6, 2021. You know, I've talked about the Capitol riot several times in my podcast. I haven't brought up any specific deals. I believe now they have convicted 360 plus rioters from that particular event. Um, I call it an insurrection because that's what it was. January 6 was an insurrection. Folks believe that the election between Donald Trump and Biden was stolen when Biden won. They didn't believe that anybody would vote for Biden. Therefore, they were going to stop the election or stop the steal, as they called it. In other words, they were going to violate the Constitution of the United States at all costs. Now, these people say they believe in the same, in America and the Constitution of the United States. Yet they come from a long line of uh, bad things. The Boogaloo Boys, the 5%ers or 3%ers, the, uh, um, and other groups like them, the neo-Nazis, all these folks that were there that day. You know, they were ready to do damage to uh, our country and the integrity they wanted to end the Constitution. They were going to kill people that day. They were they had nooses and things to hang people. They weren't going to have a trial, jury by trial, or anything like that. They were going to hang them. They were going to uh, fix our government. Have we seen this before? Yes, we've seen it several times before. We've seen people who were not willing to bend to the Constitution. Let's start with the uh, Confederacy, right? The Civil War. A whole group of people who rebelled against the Constitution in the United States. Did not, did not want to see the freedom of people of my color. Did not want to see them gain their freedom. They were captured souls in the country, but they did not want to see them gain their freedom, which they got. Then, then came Nathan Bedford's Forrest, general of the confederate army army who started the uh, ku klux klan along with his other cohorts first grand wizard of the ku klux klan the other diversive group that never believed in the constitution of the united states never believed in it not from the beginning not in the end they didn't believe in it at all they were there to subvert the vote keep black people from voting keep black people out of elections because their version of america saw us as the enemy and saw people from up north as the enemy. We saw people who were different than they were as the enemy. Those are the ancestors of the people who entered the Capitol on January 6th. People who entered the Capitol on January 6th believed in what Trump was doing. They believed in building the wall, stopping people from coming in the country, believed in bombing all the people over there across seas, even though they say they wanted to stop the endless wars because those wars had some some corruption to them. They believed in that. They, they, they saw that as a steal. They hated what just happened with the BLM movement because of all those protests all across the country. Our country's going to hell. They're, they're burning down everything and they're letting them protest and just letting them get away with it. That was part of January 6th. 9-11 was like a concussion, a nationwide concussion. It just bloop upside the head. Like I said, John Ashcroft said the words. He said, they did that. That, that particular incident was to get us as Americans to us as Americans to stop believing in democracy. I think the seeds of that was already there. Like I said, um, the Confederacy exists in the United States. You know what got popular before World War II? The Nazis in the United States. There were uh, uh, conventions and marches and all that stuff in the country of Nazis. The Constitution is like a paperweight to these people. And they weren't ex just extremists. There were people who supported. There are people who today say things, the same things that the Boogaloo Boys 
uh, and these other uh, neo-Nazi groups uh, and racist organizations say, they say the same things. You got people like Tucker Carlson who get on TV ranting and raving about they're trying to replace them. Replacement theory is a racist, uh, uh, white supremacist uh, theory that's used around the world called replacement theory. In Europe, they worry about these people immigrating from Africa and the Middle East and Asia into Europe, replacing Europeans. So in America, it's people from South America and the black people and, and, and people from Asia coming over here, replacing them replacing the white people here the white people are in control they are still battling another element of their party we we, we kind of overlook the fact that there is another element to this there's the people who profited from white supremacy that control the country now they're trying to suppress that feeling but it's not working because it's so strong what you birth what you what you plant what seed you plant is birthed into the world and you see it when you hear De- uh, Steve Bannon talking about our soldiers will are ready to pounce once this all gets where they want it to be. There are people who are talking about literally murdering and, tr- and having tribunals to kill people. And people say, what are you talking about? That's not true. That stuff doesn't exist. Don't, don't, don't think it does. And it does. Because tell me why 3 million people a night are tuning in to Tucker Carlson who sits there and like I said, Spouts off about changing demographics in neighborhoods. Um, spouts off against BLM. Spouts out against things that are good for people. Even though that's smoke and mirrors for what these elites really want to do. It's all about money and grabbing power. Again, money is funny. You'll do anything for money, right? Hey, if becoming a dictatorial country works for making huge profits, I'll, I'm all for it. You know, corporations don't care who they deal with. The corporations that work here in America are making huge profits in China and Russia, Venezuela. They don't care as long as they make a profit. Heck, they have funded some of the things that these countries do. They funded wars. They funded uh, a genocides so they could get resources and cheap labor. They've done that. Corporations don't care. That's the elitism, the white supremacist elitists that have used this power to do that. Meanwhile, these other people that they've convinced to come along, like I said, the folks who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, they really don't really benefit from any of this other than this thought that they have some kind of power, that they have some kind of freedom. Their lives may be terrible. They, they may be uneducated. They may be living in trailers. They may be educated. may have a little money. Because, you know, some of the people over there, they flew over here in private jets to come over here to storm the Capitol, right? So they got money, but they can't let go of that white supremacist version of the world that they live in. That privileged world that they live in. Because they believe that privilege is what they should have. You can't take any of that. You guys are trying to take that away from me. Nobody's taking anything from you, but you feel that. You're being told that every day. They're coming for you. You know, you had Alex Jones, you know, Rush Limbaugh, guys like that on the radio. Rush Limbaugh, rest his soul. Uh, Alex Jones is still there. Crazy conspiracy theories. Why we got QAnon, too. You know, lizard people, aliens eating babies. They're injecting uh, GPSs in your body, even though, like, I'm watching this computer and you're watching this on a computer or a cell phone, they can pick you up there. The vaccine is a problem. We had a whole network called Fox, and now, what is it, uh, News Now, Newsmax? There's a couple other networks that are coming out, conservative networks that are coming out, they're spouting off a lot of misinformation. 
I'm not saying MSNBC and CNN do a better job either because sometimes they have some misinformation too. You have to dig for your own real news these days. So you can imagine the frustration that came out on January 6th with folks who believed the election was being stolen. They were willing to violate the Constitution for that. Though it has been proven that the election wasn't stolen, so they still disagree with that, that it's because they don't trust government at all. They don't believe... They they believe the government's just out to lie to them at all costs. You know, everybody's oh, well, what are you complaining about? Remember when the, uh, 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 Trump won the election, we were talking about the Russians? Well, the Russians still involved in this, too. Have you not noticed that? Did you know that some of these groups, there was a incident that happened here where there was a plan to kill a particular civil rights leader in Alabama just about a year, two years ago. One of the leaders and planners of that was actually on sabbatical, if you want to call it that. He was on the run in Russia. And that's not that's not an uncommon thing. Several of them have been overseas to Russia, Germany, and places like that. These white supremacists work with each other and with other people who want to be subversive to the United States. I promise you the Israelis probably have all this information on them. You know how Americans say Israel is their friends. If you ask them, they'll tell you. They know where they've been. Trump just fell, it just played part of the game too. You know, apparently he's in with the Russians, they say, right? He wants to, his heroes of the Chinese and, and Putin, he wants to be like them. He wants to be the man, he wants to be the president for life. And there are people out there willing to do it. Not all conservatives. Because that's, that's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, all the conservatives. No. But there are those who are willing to go along for their purposes. Mitch McConnell. I'll only do so much. Donald Trump was bad. But Mitt Romney, he was dynamically opposed to it because he's a big truster in the United States. Still voted for all the other crap. Voted against everything that came out. He voted against, uh, this, he would vote against the John Lewis bill. He would vote with his Republicans against that. He would vote against uh, SR4. All of these are things to fix the election issues that we have even though there's something missing out of that where we need something that says hey no party no one party can stop an election can change an election in any kind of way we need that in in in, uh, our reform but it's not in there but what is written in there are things that protect voting rights that force some equality among uh parties when it comes to uh making districts and it also means that you know, the the law in Georgia, the law in Texas, Florida, even Alabama, all of those would have to answer to the Supreme Court or even the uh, or even our national legislation before they can go ahead and OK any changes to their 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 voting in, in their states. Right. That's all part of January 6th. See, January 6th is more than January 6th. We can investigate that all day. But if we're not fixing those things, that's going to be a problem in the long run. We have to fix the problems in this country that have allowed this to continue. That has been going on since the beginning of the country. We've allowed this underbelly that does not like the Constitution in the United States. It says it does. It's lived off of the Constitution, but it's a piece of paper that they feel they can tear in pieces and decide what parts of the Constitution are pinned. Everybody loves the Second Amendment, right? All these groups love the Second Amendment. They want to append the First Amendment. They say they don't care about the 13th, 14th. 15th amendments, 16th amendments, but they do. They would, they wouldn't say that if they didn't, they do. They care about those things because it, it affects what they can do. 
definitely the First Amendment, they, they feel like they have a right to do whatever they want. Forget all the judicial rules in the Constitution. They don't care about those. They, that's why they want to have tri- military tribunals. They want the military to step in and fix the problems in America. So what does January 6th mean to me this year? What does it mean this year? It says a lot about our country. Oh, that was a big change. No, it wasn't a big change. It was the next step in the evolution of problems to come for a country that is, is repeating history. All the greatest countries in the world have suffered some of the same things we're suffering today. A democratic nation falling because of its privilege. Overspending a military and overstretched army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines around the world. Fighting all these foreign enemies, whether they're actually in combat or not. Battling other empires, controlled by corrupt officials, and a declining education system. Sounds familiar? That was Rome. That's in the United States also. We have a lot to fix. If we're willing to fix it. The resources of the people. So why do we keep mistreating the people? Have to ask yourself, what's wrong with us? Well, that's it for this week. Hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have enjoyed the show, please hit the like button below. Make sure to comment, because there is a message section where you can comment. And have a wonderful rest of the week. You have been listening to Thought You're Awoke, No Speed Limit Podcast.